Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Unleash Love. My name is Klamal Young, and I'm your host. Today, we're doing something different. I'm going to share with you the shocking Diary of a Woman interview that I did with Svetlana that's going to rock you to your core. She's a Kazakh survivor of a long list of atrocities, including kidnapping, medical experimentation, childhood abuse resulting in multiple hospitalizations, witnessing the brutal murder of a close friend, being shot at, being raped, and being adopted into a family where the father abused her sexually, emotionally, and physically before he committed suicide. Just the sheer length of time and intensity of the hardship that she's endured from birth until relatively recently is stunningly tragic. And through some miracle, Svetlana is actually one of the kindest, caring, and emotionally and physically strong people that I've ever met. She has since located not only her own biological family, but she's also done the same for other victims she grew up with. Originally, the idea for the Diary of a Woman series was to publish it in written format only. But as time goes on, it's becoming clear to me that these stories need a more robust platform to do them justice. So from now on, I'm going to be publishing audio versions of select Diary of a Woman stories, and I may even do video episodes in the near future. Let us know your thoughts about this new content. Reach out to us directly on Instagram or via any other platform where we're present. I hope you get to hear the whole story. It's very worthwhile and it gives some valuable perspective on life and what we can be grateful for. Let's dive right in. I want to ask you where you are and what you're doing at the beginning. And then I want to talk about your birth and your early life. Then I want to talk about the orphanage. Then I want to talk about the first adoption. Mm -hmm. Then I want to talk about the second adoption. Then I want to mm -hmm. talk about the family life with them. Then I want to talk about, um, actually, I want to, yeah, the orphanage, I guess your, your, your friends at the orphanage. Um, then after the family life and the second adoption, I want to talk about, um, I guess the family life and life in the U S uh, and then, and then finally we can talk about like reconnection or reconnecting with your biological family and your intentions and plans for the future. Okay. I think that's decent, right? Yeah. Hopefully I can yell it. <laughs> well, you should be able to, it's your story. <laughs> Yeah. But but I think um oh my god I'm wearing these uh, I don't know if you can tell but I'm wearing these uh, clear braces oh that's awesome I used to have those I need to get but well, I mean aren't they help you like uh, adjust like that like adjust your teeth like keep it did you wear braces before I did the metal ones and they were terrible yeah I remember that too um I don't know when was oh god fourteen years old and then they gave me the clear ones to keep it like still like very balanced um so they don't have to like adjust um yeah so those are actually really cool but then you it sounds like you know you, you are like tongue thrust because of the uh brace you have in your teeth yeah that's what i'm saying i feel like i don't know whether i should take them out now or just go through the whole thing and hope <laughs> that i i sound like correct <laughs> like, you're actually sounding clear to me okay so. well if that's the case then we can just start so anyway where are you based right now and um what do you do so I am living right now in Russia and I'm living with my Russian family in Vladimir. And then I actually go to Moscow and work there. 
uh, with a Russian family and I speak English to them. And um, we get to do a lot of like fun things um, like in the family. I'm not like a nanny. I'm like more of like a mentor. Uh, we travel together. Uh, like for instance, and in, actually tomorrow I'm going to Sochi with a, uh, with a boy and we're going to Juventus tournaments. So those are uh, fun things we get to do. And I just like, yeah, be like a big sister and a big, uh, yeah, to little kids. Um, and then I just travel all over Russia area. Um, you know, at first I thought Russia is not uh, as beautiful as, um, dang it, Mark was calling me actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, first I didn't think Russia was a very beautiful country, but there's so many locations that you can go to that's just magnificent. The architecture, the history, uh, and the people. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing to be in Russia right now. I'm very grateful for that. I wanted to bring you on the podcast because I'm obviously doing this series. It's called Diary of a Woman. It's stories of women from all over the world. And we cover so many different unique views and kind of perspectives on life from the eyes of women. Your story is really, really fascinating and actually tragic, really is. And obviously now you're, you're fine, you're well, you're healthy, and you're happy, it seems. So that's great. But yeah. it hasn't always been that way. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show. So maybe what we can do for the listeners is go through, you know, chronologically what happened to you so that they get a really good idea of the life that you've lived so far. Can you tell me uh, about the beginning? So what happened to you from birth, like pretty much exactly from birth, and then, you know, everything that happened in your early life beyond that? Um, yes, yeah, so I was born uh, in March and um, I lived uh, for five years, at the beginning of my five years, I lived actually in the hospital. And that's a question is why was I uh, living in a, a hospital for five years, but we have an assumption why. Uh, we have an idea why. Uh, but when I was, yes, uh, two years old, I had surgeries in my stomach. Um, so in those five years, I had three surgeries in my stomach. Uh, first one, uh, first surgery, uh, I had infection. And second surgery was also infection. And finally, the third, uh, they finally fixed that. And I remember being in the hospital and always in a dark, dark room. Yeah, and there were about, I'll say, you know, like eight, eight, uh, eight babies. I remember, you know, I was always sleeping a lot. But when I used to wake up, I would like scream, go crazy, because um, I wouldn't understand uh, why was I tied to like the crib. Yeah, like I was tied to. You, you know, were tied my, to the crib, right? Like my legs were tied, um, and so I would scream. I mean, of course, you know, waking up and not understanding what the heck is ha happening to you. But I do remember. Uh, like my nurse told me, um, at two years old, somehow I woke up during maybe the middle of like the surgery, but nobody was there. And, um, yeah, like kind of t like picked up my head a little bit and I saw like my abdominal was open. Um, and I had this orange liquid around this, um, open wound. And, um, for some reason, I don't know, I didn't freak out. Um, I thought it was really cool. That's why like now I, love anatomy um i love everything about human's body and brain and how this works uh, for some reason it's not scary for me and then i just went back to you know sleep um and how you know because i asked my it's like what was this and she explained to me you in the middle of the surgery so um how old were you around about that time i think um she said i was two and a half years old um you know <laughs> wow that, yeah so and um and then she said i had surgery when i was three years old but you know i that I don't remember that because I was always like sleeping and, and you know, they were put anesthesia and then we have like this huge, huge, um, needles and it's like a metal one and it's just, they jammed it into your booty, like in old days. 
uh, any kind of shots that would always jam it in your booty. So let me just recap for everyone listening. You had been in a hospital having surgeries since you were since you were born up until how old? Until like three years old. Yeah. And you never saw your family. No, you never I didn't. saw outside. You were you were you were chained to the bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know this this outside. You know, there's another side of the world. Every time I woke up, I was always like um, screaming, yelling. And my also my nurse said, you know, Silana, you know, be smart about it. If you want to be awake and be aware of things, what's going on? Wake up, and you know, when you wake up, be very very quiet. So I would uh, wake up and not uh, freak out and just start observing things. Yeah, and then when a nurse, a different nurse would be coming, like they, uh, um, there were nurses were coming all the time and doctors coming all the time. And I would always pretend like I'm sleeping. I would close my eyes and because I didn't want a shot, um, you know, to put me to sleep. Uh, and if I made, you know, noises like, oh, hey, um, you know, so I was very, very cautious and how, you know, when people approached to our room, I only made sounds when I had, I don't remember. I don't know why I can't remember her name, um, but she was a little bit heavy side. Uh, you know, nurse. And, uh, one thing I do remember, she always like rubbed her hands on, you know, on my head and huh. just a touch of love, a simple one. I think that's probably why, um, also like very loving. And so you were basically, you, you were taken, uh, how do you understand it now? What happened to you? Like you were taken from your family when you were born? Yeah. So when my mom, my Russian mom was, um, six months pregnant with me, um, doctors said like, you really need to do an abortion, um, cause this child that you, um, you know, you go and give birth to is very deformed, like it's going to be deformed. Cause I was actually born with a Beckwin Widem syndrome. It's where all the, like all your organs were out. That's why I also I had stomach surgery because all my organs were out. Yeah. And my dad, I mean, my mom said, no, I'm not going to have abortion. You know, she's moving in my body. How can I, you know, kill this living child? And so she's like, I'm just going to go for, you know, I'm just going to go for, you know, giving birth. And once she gave birth to me, she actually stayed in the hospital for a month and they took me away from her and from my dad. And, um, and I was sent to ICU. Um, and they said like, Oh no, sorry. Your child is going to be dead in, in a month. Um, might as well like sign the documents that you are giving up a child because she's going to be dead. My mom and my dad, I read the whole list of all the problems that I had at birth. They, you know, they did sign a paper like saying like, we're giving up the child because, you know, they said, you know, she's going to be dead. She's not going to survive. Um, after a month, my mom and my auntie came to the hospital to check um, the status, like, am I dead or not? And um, they're like, yep, she is dead. And and then my mom, you know, said, can I see it? Can, you know, can I see my child? And all the doctors and nurses like chained each other's arms, not allowing them to even come into like um to the hospital rooms and to like a hospital like hallway um they didn't allow they kicked them out of the hospital i assume that's because your mom was very adamant that she wanted to see you and even if they said that you were dead she still wanted to push through and that's why they kind of tried to stop her physically yeah exactly and then also uh before uh, when they brought the documents to take me um you know this doctor said like yeah she's gonna be dead and my mom said my, uh then just give me this child like if she's gonna die at home uh, that would be okay for us, but I need this child. So even, you know, my mom was even ready to uh, deal with whatever tragedy she was going to face in the beginning of my life, but they didn't allow to take, you know, those times, you know, there's no rules and regulations to have the rights to take a child if a child is sick. And obviously you're not dead and obviously there's not anything visibly wrong with you. So they were pretty much lying out of their teeth. And mm -hmm. this kind of thing, I don't think, well, when I, when we first talked, I didn't even know that this kind of existed. And I'm very naive with that because I live in a very 
you know, developed nation. And I live in a kind of a bubble where we don't see this kind of thing happen. I imagine a lot of people listening to this are in a similar situation. So this, how widespread is this problem of abduction of children in hospitals, or, or at least back when you were born, how common was that? Very, very common. Because, you know, I've done actually searches for adopted children from Kazakhstan, from Russia. Yeah, like um, my, I found my friend's uh, biological parents. And they also thought, you know, she was dead. But actually, she was taken away from her parents. And not only that, her parents lived like like a 10 minute drive from the orphanage. And we always passed by it. So that's just like, uh, that was that's when I stopped doing searches for a biological family. That just killed me after this. Because um, when you do those types of searches, uh, there's always some kind of tragedy. And psychologically, it's really, really hard to um, give that story to an adoptee and then to the biological family and just, you know, help them with just balancing with this huge opening scene of what, you know, it's been a secret. So for my friend, um, yeah, she, you know, her parents were living very close to the orphanage. And, and once we found her parents, like her mom, uh, we found her when she had a cancer and then she died. It was just um, heartbreaking for me. Uh, and this child, my friend, is just marvelous. She's just so loving. She's so resilient. She also had like a lot of difficulties. And how she's striving her life right now, it's beyond amazing. Do you know her from the... The, the 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 your upbringing like i mean did you meet her in the in, in the uh in 19 in orphanage world? Eight, nine, okay yeah. well we're gonna we're gonna get to that because that's another chapter of your life let's say actually i hope people listen to this whole episode because it's so insane you know the kind of thing that happened to you you, you really couldn't write this if you tried so um, yeah i mean that was a time when ssr broke and kazakhstan became an independent country they struggled with the economy and so um doctors uh didn't make a lot of money uh, a lot of people, people didn't make a lot of money, not just doctors. So how did doctors able to make a lot of money? They would steal children um, from, you know, the parents and lie to them that they are dead. And they would sell them uh, to people who want to adopt children um, and, or doing experiments too. Right now, of course, is nowhere else written that, that didn't, you know, like it has happened. It has happened. There has been experiments on children in early 90s and I'm sure in the 80s too. Um, because they made money. So that's how doctors make money is through experiment on children or getting them adopted by strangers. Um, yeah, the agencies were very hungry about, you know, hungry given because they also, you, you know, you are working with agencies there. Then you're working with court people then. Yeah. So, um, do you have any idea how much money it costs to adopt? So it also depends on an agency and the court and, uh, who you go through. I would just say, you know, an average cost, I would say 30000 to 50000 to give the child away, which is a lot of money at that, that time in, in early 80s and 90s. It's not only it happened in Russia, Romania, um, excuse me, Romania, Ukraine, Moldova, Lithuania, you just name it, uh, a lot of Eastern European countries. So, it, so, it, so it's around about like thirty to 50000 US dollars at that time, mm -hmm. which is a lot of money. And it's even a lot of money today, but it's like, it, I can understand how, you know, yeah, when you have a failing economy, yeah. that this kind of thing could. Uh, but it is. Tr it's just really the worst kind of crime because you. And I'm living with it, and I'm live, you know, I'm very uh, afraid to say those things because of what I want to do. You know, help others and have to be always be careful too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm just. I, I just think thought about it this morning. It is the worst kind of crime because you've literally stole someone from their parents. And they've never seen you or they've never really seen you 
uh, and and until you know you're able to hopefully not always reconnect with them and like you said with the case of your friend reconnecting with them and then one of them passing away that's like the ultimate you know kick in the teeth mm-hmm. because you 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 feel like you have this chance again and then they're gone mm-hmm. and it's like what what else is there apart from anger i mean that must be bitter that must be the worst kind of bitter yeah but she is um yeah dealt with it very very well i mean she's not uh she's not the type of person would run away from issues um she actually just worked really hard and going through that pain that she experienced um mm. yeah let's yeah. let's go back to the hospital if you don't mind and mm-hmm. just talk about that for a while so did you did you ever know that it was wrong that you were tied to the bed or was that just normal life for you did you never even question it yeah, maybe in the beginning, sure, I just stay calm. But then I started to understand that this is a very strange, why my legs are tied up, why, you know, my arms are tied up and I couldn't move. Um, and I understood it why, because, I mean, yeah, you know, because uh, the doctors wanted to do a couple of things. too, Because there's oh, right. always doctors coming to different children all the time. Mm-hmm. So, What about the, the vision outside? Like, I want to know what that was like, because obviously that must be crazy to experience, like for the first time and see all that stuff. And you remember it really vividly. Do you remember what the yellow thing was that you're obsessed with? I'm, I'm just well, curious. Yeah, well, obsessed with uh, flowers. And I think um, those, you know, uh, what do you call it? Not, there were dandelions too. Sunflowers? Uh, not sunflowers. You know, those... Um, Daffodils, maybe? Maybe, maybe. Yes. Um, yes. And actually, I used to eat them when I was a child. <laughs> um, so, yeah, those are yellow flowers. Um, and, um, yeah, so... And the green part was, of course, it was gr- grass. Um, and so when we were outside, and then we had to go back inside... And the nurse, you know, calm us all down. And then I was wanting to ask her a question. What is this? Like, what did I just see? And she's like, this is the world you live in. And I'm like, what? Um, and why, you know, why are you not bringing us there? Um, she's like, you can't, you're very weak. And um, she would always say like, you're weak, you're weak. Um, mm. And so she explained to me this bright light that you saw is sun, you know, this blue, you know, it's the sky. So she, that's how she uh, started to, you know, I was very grateful that uh, I started to speak actually earlier in the situation that I'm in because there it's like you lay there like a vegetable. I mean, I remember my booty was like was hurting because I was always constantly on the bed. And so other kids, I remember seeing they had like red patches on the booty, on the spine, on the legs because they would just sleep, you know, like they just made them um, lay in bed the whole, whole time. So you tend to develop um, not so much a rash, but like a bed, this, there's a term for it, special that, and um, right. and that was actually scary because I saw that in little babies. Um, wow! And did did you learn how to speak by yourself, or did no, people teach you? My nurse, to, through my, she would always always talk to me. It didn't matter if I understood her or not. She always would, um, you know, just talk to me and just tell me things, and I'll just listen. And then once, and then I started to I guess, I guess like pick some words up. And then, um, I said, you know, I ask why, you know, how long I'm going to be in this room. I want to get out of there. Um, and can I, you know, can I go to, you know, a different room where this, um, you know, windows, because she explained to me what, what, uh, windows, I didn't know, I didn't know what windows were. She's like, windows is a clear glass. You can see through things and you can see outside if you want. And she's like, okay, so, um, you know, let me try to see if I can, you know, move you to a different room. Uh, but you really have to be behave, you know, because uh, sometimes be tied up and the doctors would come and I'll start like shaking, like, because I knew there's like a huge needle coming to me. So they would just stab you with a needle if you were being naughty, let's say, quote unquote. Um, I mean, I won't say not naughty because I wasn't screaming. I wasn't uh, causing any problems. 
um, no, it was a time when they, they would just come and, um, cause they would know what, when the, uh, anesthesia will wear off. And so they would come the time when it's wearing, um, is, you know, wearing off, they would give you a needle. Um, give- really? So they would just keep you under anesthesia? Yes. Constantly. I would, yeah. That's what? That is crazy. Yeah. That's why now I like to be conscious on like, uh, my surgery. So how, how many times did you get like anesthesia, let's say in a day or in a week? I mean, I would sleep weeks and months. I mean, and I was, and I was always tied to these uh, tubes. And uh, even as a child, yeah, that's why. Oh, that's why I was always tied because I would always rip it off. I would always rip it off, even when I was, um, you know, when I was a little girl from from birth. I always ripped like all these tubes in, you know, in my body. But the tubes were going in your mouth, or yeah, they were, and um, yeah, like, and and then I don't ever remember they were feeding us. Um, the only time I started to remember, I was you know, being fed was when I was four years old, I was moved up to a different floor. Oh my goodness. Because I remember, uh, I freaked out. What is that? It was like, um, the Russian, the tiny noodles, uh, with, uh, um, a little like small amount of like chicken around it. It's like a chicken soup kind of thing. And that was the first time that you'd actually seen, uh, salt, salt, food salt, to eat, yeah, yeah. to consume. Mm-hmm, yeah. So you're being fed with a tube basically. That, yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe, I, you know, maybe I was fed, but I don't remember. Um, I just remember how I went crazy. I, they brought a plate of soup and br- and like bread. Even nowadays, I would always eat the soup really quickly and the bread would be the last one. And we would always play. But then there were like adults, like grownups would come to our room and they're like, oh, Svetushka, Svetushka, come over here. I'm your mother um, or I'm your auntie, whatever. Was like, and I would always crawl underneath my bed and start like going crazy because uh, a stranger comes and says, Svetushka, Svetushka, give me a hug. I, you know, I want to take you home. Um, you know, I would panic. I would start, um, go like a wild animal in, underneath my bed. Uh, also purposely so they don't take me because I don't understand what's happening. This whole th- uh, process is, and, um, I didn't feel comfortable. Uh-huh. So this started happening to you like pretty abruptly. Yeah. For, like, all of a sudden well, yeah, well, there were people that were like wanting to take you. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. And then at five years old, I was moved to another side of the hospital. And that was actually literally closer to the window. But there were a lot of kids, actually. It was a huge uh, room. How many kids do you think there were in these, like, just out of your estimation? How many kids do you think there were in these hospitals? They would keep, you know, kids, uh, um, you know, for a long, long time. I mean, for me, it was five years. Um, I would say, you know, more than 50. But I can't say just right. Yeah, more than 50. And they were all taken, do you think? They were all taken from birth? I don't know. I don't know the situation. I can't. But the kids that I have... Uh, seen in the hospital all end up in that orphanage so yeah so i would imagine that it's probably true that because of the situation where you're always being anesthetized and you're always tied to a bed i would imagine it's probably happening to the other kids too yeah in which case that's that's insane that's that's actually literally insane what's happening like they're stealing these babies and they're selling them yeah i'm not sure if it's happening now but hopefully it's not uh but i would not mistaken if it's still happening so you've never heard of this mentioned. You've never seen anyone else kind of bring this kind of practice to light. Because this is the first time I'm hearing about it. I mean, when I met you, I'm just wondering, what's your experience with it? Have you looked into it? Did you find anything? Um, I have like looked into it a little bit. Uh, couldn't find it. Couldn't find it because I wanted you know, to find it. Um, I searched it in Russian and I searched it in English. Well, first of all, in English, you wouldn't find any those types of information because it would have been red flag for the United States. And they would try to figure out how, how is that possible? So, 
Um, yeah, in Russian, or w- website is not such a thing. I mean, if it was written, it would have been, it would be actually um, erased and on the website because it's like national. I think uh, pretty soon I want to start speaking up in public and figure out like who else yeah. had this happen to. Well, we'll get to that for sure. Um, so, okay. So your when did your hospital time come to an end and what happened next for you? When I was five years old and I was around, surrounded by all these like kids and um, we were always were watching TV or we always playing checkers or like cards. And I do remember all the kids were uh, strolling this um, IV. I mean, even me, um, I had to um, always go with an IV stroller and to whatever. Rolling it around behind you. Yeah, yeah. And at a certain time, you had to take the pills. Um, and then we had, you know, um, breakfast, you know, lunch and dinner. Um, sometimes we'd have an open area and, and closer to the TV area or in the rooms. Um, and yeah, so I would, um, yes, I would, you know, try to behave, but there were a couple of times they took me from this room because I was really, really sick of how they were just stabbing me with a needle still at five years old. Um, so when I, did you have like birthdays? Do you, did I, did you ever celebrate anything in the hospital? I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what it was. Um, what is birthday? And, um, you know, I didn't know what it was like birth. I don't know. So that's just like an estimate then, like you're estimating you were around about five years old. Um, well, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, they would tell you, you know, you're, you know, you're five years old, but they didn't tell you oh. like, um, you know, oh, it's your birthday, you know, let's have a cake. And no, that's not such a thing as that. Do you know your birthday? Huh? Do you know your birthday? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I actually uh, knew my birthday. Um, when, once I got into the orphanage, a different type of orphanage. And, um, yeah. So when, um, so in 1996, is it 1996? Yes. Um, Around you know uh, fall, I um, I remember there were two officers ca- coming to the hospital and, t- and wanting to take me, and they give me the documents with the, with these officers and um, and they were officers me. like police officers yeah. or yeah mm-hmm. police officers yeah yeah police officers um, why why I didn't have I mean I didn't have I I don't know there were police officers took me um, but the first time when they tried to take me didn't happen really well and nothing like it wasn't successful for them. Uh, but for me it was, um, cause I, first of all, I didn't want to get out of the hospital cause that was the only place I knew it was a home. You know, I thought this is a home, you know? And, um, and they said, yeah, you're going to the orphanage. First of all, I didn't see what the orphanage was and uh, you know, what is it? And, um, so once they gave me documents to, you know, take it with the officers, I ripped them. I ripped my documents because I was really angry and I thought like maybe that will stop them. So they, brought me to the orphanage and I was hysterically crying because I didn't understand what the heck that, what it is. Uh, so I think we had like nine, nine beds there. Did they accept you? Did, was it hard to integrate? Like, uh, no, it wasn't hard. Um, I mean, once Vika was just so loving, she was like my sister, like we were like peas in the pot. Uh, I'm not kidding. We did everything together and Vika was crippled. <laughs> um, she walked really crippled and I walked or uh, crawled, but I didn't walk hundred percent. Um, yeah, because I was, um, well, first of all, nobody taught me how to walk in the hospital. I would, I remember I would always, um, crawl. And then there were times when I get up and walk just a little bit and fall and then crawl. Um, and that happened. And you were, you were five at the time. Yeah. We had a re- really sweet, um, ladies, like a grandmother, uh, beginning when I came there, she would actually sew things like dresses, um, and socks and hats. She was the sweetest grandmother. And then, and then a few months later, she, she has been then we had this beautiful, uh, tall, uh, blonde woman, just so kind. And, um, 
she was working with us and then she vanished. Um, and so we had other people. Then we had a night crew because you have a day crew caregiver and a night crew caregiver. And a night crew caregiver um, was vicious. Um, that's when I started to really understand what is um, cruelty, in my opinion. So you left that environment in the hospital, which was terrible, right? But you didn't realize it because you were very young. So you just thought it's normal. And then you came here and you were really excited and you were happy and you were, oh, everything's new. I'm free. And then that's when things started to go a little bit pear-shaped because this, uh, this uh, lady who was in, in charge of caring for you and the other children was actually a bit of a tyrant, right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, like, for instance, um, she would uh, punish you not, by not having food um, and then also punish you in the evenings. But also, like, when there was a bath time, she would actually drag us and throw us to, and, onto the bath. And I remember, like... Um, I remember nurses or doctors would take the babies and just throw us into the bath. I never understood what is like clear water. I didn't know what clear water was because I would always see bath was um, red. Red with blood. Mm -hmm. And so every time I do remember being washed, it was always with red. When our teacher, uh, you know, in the orphanage threw us, you know, I connected that that's like, oh my gosh, is this like happening everywhere? Because I remember she just threw a kid in the kid's head, got, you know, uh, was open, you know, his skull got open. She did not want us to make any sound, even breathing sounds. So she would purposely walk uh, to our uh, to uh, our beds, like closer to our beds, and uh, and then bend down and start listening to to you um, if you are breathing. And um, and we, you know, of course, learned like don't, you know, stop breathing, you know, stop breathing, stop making sounds. Um, so we would hold our breaths, you know, the longest really? possible. Yes, and she would purposely um, listen for a long time. Until like she, you know, until you start, you know, want to take a breath, and um, and she, if she hears that you, you took a breath, uh, she would start smacking you with this like um, wooden stick. And I do remember that uh, that happened to me. She really, um, yes, yeah, smacked me so hard, and because uh, and you were like six, five, six, five, five. Well, you were, it was five, literally when you got there. Oh yeah, it was happening. Five years old, and six years old, and um, and I ended up in the hospital because she beat me up so badly on um, my stomach and my head when I'm conscious and I ended up in the hospital. She hit you that hard? Yeah, yeah, because I was breathing. And you didn't have anyone else there to protect you, like no other adults that were like colleagues of hers that were maybe like, hey, aren't you being a little too harsh on these kids? No one? No, we only had like one care, like one caregiver in the day daytime. Um, but then she became like a full-time caregiver, actually. And so, no, and... Um, yeah, we were all kept separate. Separate. Um, you know, I didn't see. Yeah, like teachers would talk to each other or meet up with each other. No, it wasn't. Even like playtime. You know, all the kids, the schedule, like teachers. Um, even like playtime, like playing outside. Uh, other classmates wouldn't be joining with us. It was us separately. And then once we finished playing, then next group comes and they, you know, have their own time playtime. Um, yeah, and um, one of the kids she did is uh, Masha. She started to suffocate her with a pillow. Because uh, she was breathing, and then I attacked, attacked her. Uh, that was my first time. I think one of my first time is uh, um, attacking an adult because I, I, you know, she's struggling, and then I'm seeing like she's like loose, you know, like now becoming weaker. And so then I attacked her. Um, uh, that's when I became like understanding, like it's like, oh my god, I have ugliness in my body because I really viciously attacked her. You were you were five. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. And um, and so. Yeah, and then she stopped, and, and Masha ended up in the hospital again because she was beat up, and I was beat up. Um, so yeah, you would be beat up. Okay, so let me let me just ask you this. 
So you were ending up in the hospital because of this woman and no one, how did you get to the hospital? Like no one was kind of like, I mean, uh, asking questions. No, because I mean, like if I'm always unresponsive and she literally uh, hit me in the head, there is a crack there in my head. And, um, and I remember I was brutally beaten by a stick and I was unresponsive. And so, um, and then they check, um, you know, because they would bring meals and you have to say how many kids are eating. And if one of them is not eating, why is that? And so then they would check with with uh, teachers, and um, and, but she wasn't fired. She was not fired, and so. So this was just like a a, a negligence. This was like a an acceptance of just very poor behavior. I guess people didn't really was there, there was no standards, maybe right? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, like we we're talking about you know massive corruption here. And the hospital, like in a developed nation like the United Kingdom, if if you have like a crack in your head and you're a child and there's going to be questions, there's going to be, you know, how did this happen? No. What's going on at home? Like, do we need to involve? That was nothing like that, right? No, it's a joke. So how long did this last for this, uh, this very harsh treatment? And um, we had her until we moved to a different orphanage. So I don't know how, you know, did she continue or did she leave? But I remember she was with us till the end. How, how many, how many years did you spend with that woman? I would say two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. Um, and yeah, and then another thing, like the major problem that happened in the orphanage was uh, that I experienced and all the kids um, in my classroom experience um, is that um, one night I was like sleeping um, and then I felt like someone just grabbed me and there was a man who grabbed me and just walking, you know, walking away from my bedroom. And I got scared. First of all, it didn't make any sense why you take it. I think I was around six years old. It didn't make any sense. Why are you taking a, ba- uh, a child in the middle of the night um, and taking from the bedroom? You know, and I didn't do anything. So uh, danger, you know, what do you call this? Um, whatever, I started to go crazy. And um, yeah, and he dropped me and he gave up on me. And then I just like crawled back to uh, my room. And the teacher was actually there, my caregiver. She understood it. Um, and she didn't do anything about it. And I cried. And, um, yeah, I cried and I was really confused why, why this happened. Um, and so from that moment, I didn't go to sleep very peacefully and never went to sleep. Uh, like the first one, I was the last one because I, you know, it was like, oh my God, like what if it happens again or what if it happens to my friends? And so one time I was not sleeping. I was the last one. And then I see a guy, uh, and that was a guy who is security guy for the orphanage. Keep that in mind. And so he takes my friend Igor and um and i was really afraid to like say no stop first of all kids are like um, kids are sleeping second of all i was still a teacher you know health and security they i mean i in my opinion i think teacher also did some um you know playing around with children in the night because she was and i remember she would be drunk too like unresponsive and so oblivious and uh not aware of things um and so uh yeah so they took Igor, and then when he came back and i stayed up till like hoping that she, he comes back and they brought him back and they left the room and I run to, you know, to Igor's side of bed and like, you go and Igor, you okay? You okay? And he's like, ouch, ouch, like, um, like hurts here, hurts here. You know, um, and I said, um, what, what did they do? You know, and he didn't express really why he's a child. And from that moment, because this Igor friend of mine, he was very calm, very uh, bubbly, like just so uh, expressive. And after this situation has happened, he started to flinch. Um, you know, like shake and be afraid and always look in the back. And if I say, you good, you know, and he would like flinch. And, and from that moment, I think he developed, uh, this type of, um, uh, anxiety. And, um, so they raped him basically. Yeah. 
they were taking kids and they were raping the kids at night and then, and then they were just returning them mm -hmm. and you almost got raped but they you fought yeah, but he didn't just they make him why was leaving you so oh, that was, boy, that was one of the main um like tra uh, tragedies um but yeah we had good food there i do remember that and that's why um you know i went crazy when teacher would um you know ban me from having food um because i was being a child and maybe sometimes i didn't behave so well uh, didn't listen but you don't punish them with with food you know this teacher would always take the loaves of bread and hide it like all up in the drawer, drawer um shelves uh, in the night in the middle of the night ego and i would climb to shelves and grab the loaves of bread she never understood who took it who took it and but we all were punished but it didn't matter. Igor was like a skinny bone. Uh, I mean, he was so bony. And so it didn't matter if he was caught or not. He was always so hungry. And so, yeah, he would steal food more than other kids, like more than me. But if the, if anybody stole anything, um, I always was near them because I didn't want them to get in trouble. I always wanted to like help. So when you say you never had enough to eat or you, a lot of times you didn't have enough to eat, like what are we talking about here? Was it like a, a meal that you didn't get? Yeah, or? I didn't get. Yeah, a meal I didn't get. Well, yeah, and we were more nutrition, you know, um, we didn't get enough food. I mean, because we were punished a lot. We were punished. She was an evil teacher. Yeah. What was the worst time that you experienced with this kind of malnutrition? Like, um, was there a period of like, like, cause she's a pretty malicious woman. Uh, did she stop you from eating? Like, did you get skinny as well? Like, I mean, did uh, you... yeah, but, um, from birth, I think I was a very chubby kid. I was, uh, yeah, like, um, so you couldn't, you couldn't see that. At five years old, six years old, I was still like very chubby, seven years old. Uh, and then once I moved to a different orphanage, I started to shape, you know, have, and um, be more skinnier. But yeah, I was a, I was a bit chubby. You wouldn't say I was malnutrition, but I was because, uh, you know, we weren't fed all the time. Um, so then we moved to the, you know, they, oh, they did IQ tests. Uh, so we, uh, they, they uh, told us like, okay, guys, pretty soon you're going to be moved to a different orphanage, but we had to figure out which orphanage and, um, uh, by doing that, we had to do an IQ test, how smart you are. So we took the IQ test. I passed the first IQ test. And after pa of passing the first IQ test, I asked um, my friends, like, oh, did you guys, you know, do well? Like, uh, which orphanage you go to, you guys are going to? Because they announced to you, like, oh, you're going to this orphanage. You're going to this orphanage. You know? So it ended up that all my friends were going to the same orphanage except me. So then there's a second test. And so, um, so the second test was, uh, I understood that if I pass a second test, then I will not, I'm not going to be with them. And so I purposely failed everything. And um, they were really mad. They were really, really mad that I, you know, because they knew that I was pretending. But I'm like, nope, not doing that. And um, so I failed the second test and we all ended, ended up in the same orphanage. Nice. Uh, but we weren't happy to leave this orphanage. Even how it could be, you know, it was difficult. Again, like I'm saying, this is our home. We got used to it. This is our comfort. And so... When we drove to the um, older orphanage, we all were like crying in that white van um, and, sing, and saying, hopefully it will be okay, hopefully it will be okay. And um, that is a hit reality for us. This orphanage was even worse. <laughs> okay, tell me, about the, tell me about this orphanage. Like what, what, were the, what was worse about it? Oh my God. Okay, so having a mix of different age groups of kids, you know, we are younger kids and there are older kids. And older kids sometimes had um well raped a lot of younger kids and also the how, how old were the older kids i mean 14 15 16 you know kids at that time already knew about those things and um and you were about what six at this time seven years old 
19 and seven. Yeah, so seven years old. Yeah. And um, seven years old. Um, and I was like, again, uh, by boys, I was uh, taken from my room. And I I was an animal. I was a vicious animal. Um, there were like, uh, he like heavy scratches, like open wounds. Um, yeah, I had to be like a wild, I'm not kidding, like a wild animal. Um, you know, it's so sad, like, you know, that that was, you know, that's part of some kind of ugliness inside my body. But it's not, you know, it's, um, I understand why I have that. It's because I, um, that's for protection. But I had to do everything possible in my power to protect myself. And so uh, guys gave up on me and I ran into my room and I was crying. I was exhausted and I fell asleep. And then early in the morning, it was so sunny, beautiful. I quickly get up, look around my room um, and there's a girl missing. I go to the bedroom where they took me and uh, the boys just sleeping. And uh, Christine and I opened Christina and she's in blood. And, um, and there was a wooden chair took the wooden chair, um, broke that in the hallway and smacked all the guys on their heads. Um, and I was angry. I was really angry that not, you know, my classmate, my guy friends, uh, did not protect, <clears throat> well, to protect me, no, my, uh, not even Christina, because even in a baby or uh, in a, I call it baby orphanage. I, you know, I taught them the most, uh, uh, most thing you have to keep in mind is be, um, loving, considerate and respectful. Um, and help each other consider meaning like help each other come, you know, like we are the only ones here, like protecting ourselves. We are brothers and sisters. We should be protecting ourselves. No adults is going to protect us. We are the only answer to our protection. And so there were times that they protected and there were times that no. And I was really, really angry. And my, um, my boys who my classroom, even though they were so little, I understand they didn't protect. And cause like, it was very strange because there were older boys mixed with our younger boys. Uh, I was really upset. And um, so, yeah, that was a time when Christina got raped. Um, you know, I'm not sure if she was raped in a baby orphanage, but definitely do remember Christina was raped in the second orphanage. Did this happen regularly or was that just the yeah. one time? There was something always, like there's always uh, going on. And then, um, and so uh, beginning of the time when we came to the orphanage, we had this loving, loving teacher. Her name is Maria Vecina. And she's uh, older. I think maybe she's in her late 50s. And or in early sixties, and um, but she looked like in her eighties, golden teeth, wrinkled, and all that. But I think she's in her late fifties or sixties, and um, yeah. And how did I learn how to walk hundred percent, like n by not falling down? Is I guess we beginning, beginning when we came there, we were talking back to her, being disrespectful. And Maria was saying said to us, "You're not going to be disrespectful to me. Um, you're going to learn how to respect elders." And that's when the first time we actually learn how to respect elders in the proper, um, in the proper way. And, um, so she said we had to walk up and down 20 times. Uh, we had four floors. When I said, uh, how did I learn how to walk is I would, uh, crawl upstairs and roll down the stairs. Um, cause I couldn't able to walk down. Um, it was easy to crawl up, but walking down, I mean, of course I can turn and crawl like, you know, backwards, of course, but that took a long time because it's 20 times. So actually my mother saying and said, yeah, you actually can't walk. Cause she thought I was making excuses. And so she held my hand and she would walk with, and she walked with me 20 times, like 20 times up the stairs and down the stairs, one up the stairs, down the stairs two. her punishments weren't cruel. Her punishments. So you can remember, um, and, um, and so, yeah, she took, uh, she took me in and I learned from that moment, I learned how to walk. So that was, and you were seven yeah. when you were learning to walk, which is, which is interesting because that's a, that's significant. That's uh, very old to learn how to walk yeah. because of your, uh, lack of, lack of help. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. That's um, in the beginning of my time. I had like ankle problems because I was walking, like I walked very strangely. Uh, but many of seen that taught me how to like heel to toe, heel to toe. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so, so she was amazing. She was, first of all, a full-time teacher for us. She was a caregiver and academic teacher. Um, then she got really, really tired like, taking care of us like eight, for eight hours, which is understandable. Then they hired a, a teacher and she was a Kazakh teacher and her name is Iso Janina. Yeah. She was uh, a lot more cruel, like a mean person than the first orphanage teacher. And oh, wow. um, yeah, I mean, she would beat us. She would um, actually lock, uh, lock us. Well, me for sure, I can speak for myself. I don't, I don't, I try not to speak for others. Um, I can give you some, but because uh, I want them to have their own uh, story. But for me, yeah, she locked me. It's called like the orphanage jail. And she would, um, you know, tie me into the metal bed. That's like no mattress and just wood and a huge um, window. And so I would be there, you know, sometimes two, um, two weeks, a month, months there. And um, she would sometimes not feed me like the longest. She, you would be locked up for a month or more. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And um, so sometimes she would give me um, water. My friends would actually throw food, um, toward, you know, uh, throw food towards my window. And I would sometimes, you know, I would catch it when there are times when I wasn't tied uh, into a bed. So she would lock you up for that long. Did she not realize that you can die when you don't? Um, I mean, like, you're, you weren't being fed. Like what? That's why she, you know, gave me water at times. Uh, and then maybe once or twice in the uh, in the month, she would give me food. But I was fed by other you know, kids. Oh, they, yeah. How did you go to the bathroom? Were you allowed to go to the bathroom? Oh, I, I, uh, a metal bucket, a metal bucket. Yes. Uh, yep. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, what about showers and cleaning? Uh, uh, no, no, you won't. There's no, no, there's no such a thing. If you were locked in that place, you, you did not get out at all. That is their purpose. It's not uh, make, making sure that you are separate from, uh, you know, the whole world. And so, um, yeah, so she, I would no, no, taking a shower, there's such no, no such a thing as that when you're locked in. The, what did you do to deserve that? Like, what happened? Like, uh, I mean, what, in her eyes, I went away from the orphanage and I was working because I wanted to work. Because uh, there were times we didn't have food in our orphanage, uh, or there was a little bit of amount of food because the teachers would count how much, like, the portions you should have. And that made me so angry. So, whatever. But I didn't cry about it. I just um, wanted to deal with this issue. By how? It's by, um, going to work you know running running away from the orphanage now work with this um i worked with, um i had a guy friend in my orphanage and um yeah and we would always work in the nighttime would jump off i mean was it second floor not second floor there were times when i um you know would jump from third floor uh or the second floor um but sometimes he my guy friend he's an older guy and he already graduated from the orphanage he would unlock the door for me or make sure like, oh, don't close it. I'll watch over them. Actually, he would, you know, him and I would like run away from the orphanage and uh, go like I ran away from the orphanage, not so much him because he can leave, come and go anytime. And um, so one night what happened was um, we walk into our store where we would always work. And uh, what, what kind of work? What, sorry, like, just because I, I need to. Like unpacking boxes or cleaning the floor or uh, organizing the layout of the food, the meat, the uh, produce. Uh, yeah, and clean up the windows. Um, just, just any like um, any kind of job. Yes, and um, so we're walking, we're walking, and then we hear somebody. You know, it's, uh, well, it's, someone is following us, and I turn, and there were three guys, and um, and his name's Dima, and so 
um, um, so what happened? I was like, Dima, what should we do? And he's like, don't worry. I want like, like, I would like you to, you know, um, you know, like run away, hide somewhere and then I'll come back. Don't worry. Don't worry. I can handle them. It's like, no, 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 Dima, please let me do it. I, I'm eight years old. I have nothing in my life, you know, in my life. You're older now and you have so much things you wanted to do in your life. Please let me handle this. Like, no, I'm not allowing you. I'm not allowing you. And I got angry. That's okay. And so I ran away. So it was on this left side of the street. And I ran like so far away, then turned around and hid on the bushes, uh, like wanting to see what's happening, you know, across the road. Um, but they didn't know that uh, the guys that were following us, they didn't know that I was hiding there. And so then uh, they attacked Dima. Yeah, they like beating him really cruel, like just beating him up like nonstop. And then next thing you know, they hung him. Uh, they hung a dead body because uh, he was already unresponsive uh, when they uh, beat him up so badly. And, um, they, you know, stomping on his head, stomping and kicking and all that stuff. And then they hung him. And then they started to try to look for me. And um, I kept it quiet, but I, like, you know, holding my tears, like holding my face, like um, nervous, shaking, and, you know, also looking in the back, uh, making sure that nobody is going, you know, come across me because I was afraid if someone said, you know, come and say, Hey, little girl, why are you here? While they were guys. And so I was, you know, just also like uh, hoping like nobody comes, nobody please, nobody comes. And nobody came. And then eventually they stopped looking for me and they, they just, they were gone. But I remember their faces. And so then I ran to uh, across the street and ran to Dima, hugged him and bloody. And um, so I ran away for, yeah, you know, um, you know, two weeks, two, two weeks to a month. And, um, and I was homeless because I did not want to come back to the orphanage. Well, first bloody, because I, I was afraid that I was be, I'm going to be blamed for. And, um, so of course I, uh, took care of like my clothes and, um, would work somewhere and then sleep in the, uh, behind the buildings. Um, yes. And then when I was eventually calmed down. Can I, can I just stop you for a second? Cause I, I need to ask you about this, um, situation with Dima. So you saw the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw the whole thing. Yes. I saw the whole thing. And that's, uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I had nightmares and nightmares at that time. I mean, I don't have nightmares now, but there are times like where I have flashes and I just have to, you know, take breaths, take, you know, write poems about it. Um, and, um, just go through the experience. Um, just not, why, why did they do that? Um, why, well, at that, that time, happen? they like, because, uh, that time, um, there were a lot of, um, I don't, I don't understand from, from my childhood perspective. A lot of Kazakh people were killing a lot of Russian people, like white people, because um, Kazakhs are like different color. They're more like brown and looking more a little bit like Asian. And um, in that time, also, it was corrupt. I mean, like discrimination, racism, um, after, you know, because after SSR has broken and Kazakhstan became like an independent country, they were still like very angry at Russians. And so they, um, yeah, try, you know, try to kill a lot of, you know, kids and a lot, a lot of people, not just kids, but. Um, cause I was a kid and I, you know, I witnessed those things. Um, and, um, yeah, so I ended up in a, then I came back to the orphanage and my teacher was really, really angry. Um, cause the police officers were actually looking for me, but you know, I could, I knew that because once you run, when, when you're, once you run away from the orphanage and you're not there for a couple of days, they do a stretch. Um, yeah. So I came back to the orphanage and I was locked in the orphanage jail and that was like, yeah um up to two weeks and month and um yeah and she tied me to the bed and uh she would um and there were times that she would come and and give me like a bowl of water like 
purposely just sliding in and water would, you know, splash in and go on the floor. Mother, oh my God. So um, that part, she did that. And uh, she would give me, like, if she'd give me food, it would be moldy bread that's hard. Um, and um, then she would bring kids and she said, you know, what she trained kids to do is like, okay, guys, um, teacher would say, okay, you have to make fun of Solana, how pathetic she is, how stupid she is. If you don't do that, you'll be punished. And so she would open the door and she would, kids, do you have something to say to Solana? And they like, and they would be like, yeah, Vanya uh, had no problem. You're stupid. And other kids um, were very um, scared to say that. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and they said you're pathetic, you're nothing, you're trash, and all that. So, and then they'll leave, and that was my, you know. Um, so it was just a, it was just for the the the, the woman's benefit, or yeah, sick. she enjoyed it. She enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, that, um, that day, yeah, that was that was it for us. Um, yeah, I mean, one it seems to be a lot of uh, pain and uh, uh, suffering that is just being repeated in generational cycles, uh, and it it's so. It's disgusting, but it's it's also so sad to see that happening. Like a, a grown woman ridiculing and just berating and de- dehumanizing these kids. Yeah, she tried to weaken my like spirit because I was uh, one of the strongest uh, person in my classroom, like emotionally and physically. And she tried to kill that, like just continue jamming me down. And um, didn't, she didn't succeed because I, when she would beat me up, and it sounds really strange, uh, but it's not funny. But um, when she would beat me up so cruel, I would laugh. And I said, what else do you have more? You know, this is not interesting, you know, because mm-hmm. she, you know, she wants to make sure like, um, like the weakness and, and she uh, craved if I, I want it, like craved if, um, you know, she loved when a child like begged her, like, please, please, with crying and, and shaking. But now it was like that. So um, she never succeeded in that. Um, yeah. Another part was when she, uh, I was locked for sure for two weeks in the orphanage uh, jail when she um, she asked Natasha and me to um, bring uh, buckets of full of water. Uh, and it, she even showed purposely how full it should be, like till like all up to the like edge of the, like, the finish. And, um, and keep in mind, I'm strong, but Natasha, her half of her body is burnt. So her half of her body is weaker than the other part. So she even picked Natasha purposely too, to do that. And she said, okay, I'd like you to bring a bucket of water into the room. And if I see any splash and any speck of water on the hallway, you are dead to me. You know, she had a really bad day. And I never wanted to treat my friends who are like, like Natasha who's deaf or Natasha who's weak. And I treat them, you know, equally never treat them special because of some kind of this, you know. And I said, Natasha, today's the day where I really need to treat you as special because uh, I saw Jamina is in a very bad place right now, uh, in, a, uh, in a vicious, uh, she had, you know, almost, um, yeah, she's having a really bad day. Please let me help you. Let me carry a bucket of water and, you know, pretend like you carried it. No, so stop treating me. Like, you know, why do you have to always control that? And, and it's like, Natasha, it's like, fine, Natasha, then go, go. I wish you luck. Please don't, you know, try not to. And so she filled it up first and she's carrying in. And of course, I saw Jamina is watching this. And she, of course, drops, you know, she, because, and she even said, walk fast, you know. And, and of course, Natasha being weak and she's heavy buckets. Um, so she drops some water, um, splashes some water. And, um, and I'm filling up my buckets and carrying it. And I, I did, I did okay. But then I see like kids covering like around this teacher. I saw Jamina, uh, my teacher, is hitting Natasha like beating her up, throwing her, stomping on her head, stomping on her body. And um, 
I, and I asked the kids, like, what, what's going on? You know, first I didn't, because they were covering, I couldn't say anything. It's like, what's going on? Oh, it's like, I'm paying attention. And I'm like, why are you standing? Why? Why are you standing? And I'm like, I'm afraid. Oh my God. And so I got so angry and I pushed the kids. I'm like, get out of my side. And I attacked Isosia Mina. I jumped on her and ripped. Oh my God. I did everything is possible to. And because um, I saw when I was trying to push it and she takes Natasha, throws her on the wall. And then this splash of water, uh, splash of blood on the wall and the crack on the head on her. And she just like flopped. But, oh, I don't even want to say it. It's just like, it's too painful to even, uh, like even visualize that. So, um, yeah, that's when I talked to her, and the kids were afraid. Um, then um, I saw Jamina didn't want uh, to take Natasha to the hospital because she was scared that she was going to get fired. Wait, 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 wait. So, so you attacked her. What happened? No, I mean, did she like? Did she fight you back? Or? She, yeah, fought me back. Yeah, but um, yeah, of course she fought me back, and she's like, "You're gonna get it tomorrow." You know, you're gonna get it. I'm like, "Okay, whatever. Um, I'm ready for it." But and um, yeah, so of course she attacked me. Um, and then what happened after this? Um, so she didn't want to take her to the hospital, but yeah, then she didn't want to, I guess she did go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And so I took her and Natasha and finally ended up in the hospital. And then, um, then what was it? And then I was locked in the, uh, orphanage jail for two weeks and she gave me just water, but no food. And, um, no, and I would, um, and I would scrape the wood on the floor and like eat it, like chew it. Um, yeah, like, uh, or I would, uh, you know, like play with, like bite my skin and my, my fingers i tried to find ways like how i can eat because i was really really hungry so um, oh my god yeah or uh, like metal like metal bed it was cold so i pretend like it's water so lick the metal i mean um it sounds stupid but that's another way like i um you know pretend like uh pretending uh something cold in my mouth um that i wanted and so those are a couple of things that has happened um uh, with this teacher and there's a lot more i mean um yeah, I mean, like even uh, every summertime uh, for uh, for orphans, we would go to the camp, and we had a camp next to like Muslim people, like Kazakh people. And one day, um, I really needed to go. Uh, my so Jamina locked the door. Like uh, all the kids were in the cafeteria, and it was a rainy day, and I really needed to go to the bathroom. And we weren't able to get out of the uh, get out, um, yeah, get out from the cafeteria because it was lunchtime. But I really needed to go to the bathroom. And she would purposely not uh, open it for me. So the kids distracted. I saw Janina and then I got out and then I walked, you know, to, and we had uh, in our camps, we had bathroom like you um, on the ground, like uh, you dump, you know, you pee your poop on the, you know, um, we have like a hole in the, um, in the ground and we would just go to the bathroom there. And, um, and so when I was walking, yeah, when I was walking, it was raining and I was walking to the bathroom. It was a long way. I see these two guys, um kind of like holding themselves on the fence and looking at me and yeah like looking at me i'm like oh this doesn't seem like a really great idea i'm by myself nobody's outside everybody's in the cafeteria everybody was in the cafeteria at that time and there's no way if i scream like nobody's gonna hear me and they saw the opportunity they jumped off the fence started to chase and um and they actually did have a gun it started to chase, but I was a very fast runner and I know that, and we had cabins. So I would like, um, you know, hide and, uh, uh like take a really sharp turns or, you know, this and, um, and try to ch chase me and never caught, they never caught me, but I would jump into the cabin, uh, to the cabin. And, um, so we had metal beds and I would try to, so what I did, 
because if you under the bed and they, because some of the wind, keep in mind, some of the w- windows in the cabin were broken or were open. And so you can peek your head and look underneath the bed. You can, or they, you can, they, themselves, they can get in the, get, um, get in the cabin. And so, um, I would get in the, uh, so I got in one of the cabin and, um, and I would hold on the metal and like dig my toes onto a metal and try to flatten my, um, body. So they don't see if they look underneath the bed, they won't see me. And so uh-huh. <clears throat> they didn't see me and they're like, come out, girl, a little girl, come out, you know, uh, let's play a game. And I would just be really, really quiet. And finally hours and hours pass and I'm like, hold in. You don't, you lose a sense of like going to the bathroom and eventually they were gone. And they were, thank goodness there's a bucket of water. Uh, I'm not bucket of water. There was a, a, a metal bucket. And I just pooped and excuse me, I say my, but I pooped and peed there and stayed there the whole time until someone was coming and, you know, searching, you know, I searched, I mean, eventually found out that uh, I, I, I ran away. How old were you at that time? 11? Yeah. 11. Yes. 11. And these were grown men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they had a gun. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah. And so I, and then I got in trouble I ran away and I said, and, uh, then, you know, I searched, I mean, you know, said, why when you killed, you know, and, um, it's like, um, not, t- not this time. Sorry. You know? Um, wow. and, um, yeah, so she, yeah, those, those moments like that, that happen in that, or, you know, oh my God. Uh, in, in like, um, orphanage uh, camps too. Maybe what we can do is we can talk about the, the adoption, yeah, how it happened and then that experience and that. So uh-huh. when did that start happening for you? Well, I actually was, uh, um, first of all, when I was in the hospital, they tried to adopt me for, even from that moment, but n- never happened. And then, uh, baby orphanage, it was silent. Nobody would come to our orphanage. And then, um, and then, um, so when I came to the second orphanage, the older orphanage, which is actually this orphanage referred as retarded orphanage, only retarded kids would go to clearly. Um, yeah, thank you very much. And, um, yeah. And when I was eight years old, yeah, yeah. Eight years old. Um, a director said like me and another girl, Nasty is going to get adopted. But then I got sick and I was not able to get adopted. So I said, to, you know, to adopted parents, like, uh, please take somebody else. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like I'm going, I don't want you to wait that long. And um, it doesn't seem like I'm going to survive because I was really, really sick of like, there was something going on, uh, with me. Um, I think it has to do with hepatitis. So in 1998, I was going to get adopted. It didn't happen because I got sick. And then I made sure that, uh, and then they asked me what kind of kids do you want? Like what's the next child you would want, you would pick. And I picked Maria who is, um, the sweetest, the kindest, beautiful soul. Yeah. So she got adopted and I got adopted till this day. I can't find them. Then, um, when I was 10 years old, yeah, we, um, I was, um, got, got, I got an opportunity to go to United States and be fostered for a month or so. And, um, and I was actually being fostered with my classmate, Igor. And, um, that was cool because if we're going to get adopted, um, if, yeah, if we're going to get adopted, then Igor and I are going to be, you know, sisters and brothers. And I mean, I love that because I always dreamed like my, my friend, um, my friends, my classmates, you know, like if they were like my sisters and brothers and, but unfortunately it didn't happen. We didn't get uh, adopted. Uh, the situation, why is because the father, I adored the father. Oh, he was just being uh, phenomenal. Um, one of the uh, main things I loved uh, about him is that, um, first of all, he protected us. Second of all, he, every morning he wake up early in the morning and go to his garage, not in the garage. It's like a small, uh, small house. Uh, no, it's not a garage. 
Um, it's like a small house uh, he built for himself uh, with his man thing. It's like a man cave he built himself. Mm. And he would play guitar every morning. And I would purposely wake up early in the morning just to witness that, just be in peace, be in present, just hear this beautiful song, like uh, just a guitar playing. And, um, but the adopted mom, or the foster mom was very, very jealous of the relationship that, uh, you know, father had with us. Um, you know, he was, you know, just favoring us. Um, but keep in mind, they also have their own six children and we were going to be the eight kids. Um, kids loved us all. Um, I was like their big sister because they already have two older kids already in, you know, up in the real world and, um, another, another ones, but whatever they had, um, their own, this, uh, the, um, six and the, well, the fifth and the sixth, they were like very young. Uh, they were living with their parents. And, um, and so, yeah, I loved playing with them, taking care of them. Uh, even from the beginning when I, even when I was a little, I love babies. I love children. I always would run to kids. I'm always surrounded by kids is them for me. It's like, I try to have different jobs, um, you know, that doesn't involve children. And I start to like, start having, you know, uh, like unclear, not so much jittery, but it feels like I'm having jittery. I'm like starting to have jitters because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm missing something. And what is I'm missing? It's children. I have to be around children all the time. So mm-hmm. the kids loved it, but the mother didn't. She was very jealous. They had always like fights. And I'm like, no, this is not going to happen. We leave in earlier. We're not putting up with this. I don't want them to have. I don't want uh, their relationship to affect. So I said to the father that I'm leaving. And I said, Igor, you do your thing. But he wanted to leave with me too. And um, yeah, and uh, I said, we're leaving. And uh, we want to go because we don't want to affect your relationship. And when they sent us back to Kazakhstan in, in the airport, we bulbed our eyes. Mother was in there. But the kids cried so, I mean, kids were screaming, throwing tantrum. Father cried um foster father cried and that was just heartbreaking and um and then at um was it 12 years old yeah did you ever connect with them again or did you ever uh, can't find speak them. to them again? i can't find them but i always have like, incredible memories of them um hmm. yeah i mean this woman the mother will never stop me to have like a uh, great memories of uh still like we had so much fun uh being fostered i felt really cool like first time i'm flying in an airplane yeah i threw up but um because that was the first time and um oh my god i feel like a celebrity like because you're an orphan and you're nothing you, you know you treated nothing constantly and then you get picked and you not only not only you get picked but you get to fly you get to treat it be special you get special clothes um and you have you know they cut your hair and everything was so special and so of course um but I didn't act spe- special. I still like was very uh, polite, mm-hmm. was, uh, very grateful, was very helpful. I have always, you know, even I told you go like he would like play or not, you know, be lazy. I'm like you gotta come over here, like go have a, you know. I was like, <laughs> um, I didn't like to be bossy, but I did like to, um, to have people do the right things. And um, so, yeah. What um, then at twelve years old, uh, I didn't. And the director wasn't happy. So I don't know why did you decline? You know, being adopted. I was like, I didn't like the thing. You know, I didn't like the mother, and that's it. And, and then she gave me a second choice. I mean, second chance. I, I got a chance to get uh, fostered again, and I went to Arizona. Um, and right away, I didn't like my parents. Like I said from the beginning, when I look at a person, it's something, and if it tells me something, it's not good. It's not good, and. Um, even like when, the, when I got on the bus, I saw them right away. And the translator about well, this uh, coordinator woman, uh, Morgan, was bringing us to uh, not 
not the kids were able to choose the pants. The pants, foster pants chose us, which I didn't like that. And I said to like Morgan, please, I mean, I was saying in Russia, please, please, like, can you not bring me to these pants, to these pants? It's like, you know, like, stop annoying, stop annoying. And I'm like, please, please. And then she brought me to them. And I give them a hand. I was a very good actress too. Um, because um, at that time, I understood like, okay, if I'm not going to get adopted, uh, I will be homeless or be selling my body. I did not want to do that. Like after I graduated the orphanage and- Okay, explain um, that because uh, we need to understand what that means. So what do you mean by that? Um, meaning after you graduate the orphanage, um, they don't take care of you. Like, yeah, some, sometimes you get allowance, but it's such a small allowance. It's not going to help you live in an apartment and get, you know, have roof over you. Um, and um, so a lot of, uh, even when I was in the orphanage at 10 years old, 11 years old, 12, um, lots of older girls taught, like were trying to teach me like, okay, Solana, after you graduate, graduate orphanage, this is what you have to do. And it's normal. They would actually uh, sell themselves. Um, they would, we would go in the, in the street. They wanted to show me. Yeah, so they showed me. So we would go in the street and um, this old, older girl, of course, beautiful, 16 years old, is flirting with the guy. And then next thing you know, they're gone and she's gone. Um, then she comes back with money. There you go. Uh, that's how it was. Mm -hmm. And um, even at even younger age, uh, not just like 16, um, so yeah, to make money, you know, I make my money by working in stores or, um, or, you know, I got paid with like with food, I mean, I'll, I'll help grandparents, like, uh, grannies, uh, we go to their homes and I would help them, you know, bake bread or, uh, or clean their street or clean their house. And then they would give me loaves of bread. Oh my God, that was amazing. Like a loaf of bread or cookies or candies. Ah, oh, yeah. I was cheese special in that way too. Um, and, um, so yes. And I said, I have to pretend I have to pretend. Uh, to you know that I love them, and um, and but uh, American father was already right away was very abusive uh, physically, uh, not adopted, but foster father was very abusive to me. Hit me. What kind of things did he do? Uh, hit me, pull, uh, hit me in the uh, head, uh, pull my ears, push me sometimes, um, and sometimes he uh, even though I didn't like well no I understood English, um, and he would control me so much. You know, he would, uh, I would go to, the, I would, we would go swimming and I would swim like with my friends and he's like, so I get out just for no reason. And then, okay, I get up. And then he's like, okay, go in. Like he would do strangest things ever. He was very controlling. And so that's, um, and he, um, yeah, like hit me one time on the, on the head again. Cause I didn't listen. Cause, um, yeah, cause he was being so controllable. I'm like, who, who the heck are you? But then I had to remember, so I'm going to keep yourself together because you want to get adopted. So I had to keep my composure. And, and, um, so one night they now said, so are you going to get adopted? And I bowled my eyes. It's because not because I'm excited that I'm going to get adopted by these parents. It's more like, oh my God, I'm not, I don't have to be in the streets. Like, thank you. I just saved my life. Yeah. And, um, that was, oh, um, amazing for, for the rest of my life. I will remember that. I flew to the United States and after two weeks of being with my family, with my parents, let's just say that, not family, but my parents, um, my American father started to physically, sexually, mentally abuse me. And, um, and so, um, that was a challenge. So every day, um, you know, he would sexually abuse me and, or, um, and he would purposely buy me things and he's like, well, I bought this for you. What could you do for me? Um, in at that time, just so that people know what you mean what were you made to do like what did he what um, kind of things was he doing like uh i would say oral at 12 years old uh, oral and um yeah 
and or he would and no one no one knew about this like oh, his wife didn't um, know so, um she started to do that and then i didn't tell the mother because i already saw my Amer- american mother was weak because she's been controlled by him um what how i know this because um she uh, one time spoke up for me or something and she got smacked in the face and i attacked him for that but um it, you could see that she was a very weak um, woman. So it was no useful purpose for me to say that because I would get beat up and I would get less privileged of things, uh, meaning like I would be controlled even more. Um, Because with sexual abuse uh, people, molesters, they're already controlling, but he was extremely controlling. And so, um, um, so I didn't tell my American mother, it was no useful purpose, I felt. So I told they have their own daughter, their um, biological daughter, and she was she's in her late forties or something. I mean, I'm not in contact with her anymore. So yeah, and I so I, when this ha- started to happen, and I still didn't speak English, but once I learned my you know um, you know English language, I you know I said to uh, you know to her, can we please meet somewhere in a safe place where I can tell you something secretly? And I told her, and she didn't do anything about it. I kind of understood like maybe this happened to her. Maybe she, something similar happened to her. That's why she's not. Right. You know, Did she have like a reaction to it or was she just? I mean, she's like, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. And um, she hugged me. That's it. And I'm like, well, that's not what I need, but okay. Because mm. um, I don't need like, oh, poor you. No. Uh, Take some action. So um, that's probably why I don't, um, you know, I'm like a beer. Like I'm a very soft beer, but then I'm also like, you know, grizzly beer where I take uh, huge actions, uh, even from in, even now in days. Um, so then I told then in school, um, my uh, French, uh, no, my uh, my English teacher, uh, literature teacher, who she's German, and it's a his, yeah, English teacher, yeah, and um, and so we had to write about um, about Holocaust, like pretend like you, which I didn't like the idea, but I was in a very dark place. Uh, I mean, not only that I was being sexual abused, I was bullied in school. Of course, you tend to have low self-esteem because nobody just cares about you. Um, nobody's saving you. So yeah, I mean, of course, I developed a, a weak spot is that um, I was allowing people bullying me. And hmm. um, so what happened? Um, oh, yeah. So teacher said, I would like you to all write a poem. It's a competition. Like um, a poem, pretend like you in a Holocaust. And what you have read and what you have heard, because um, we read books about it, and we discussed, and, and I wrote, um awesome poem. um uh it, it, i mean detail first of all you asking a russian a, a person who loves poems um as a child i was raised by um you know we had to learn so many poems in in kazakhstan um and you have to remember the poems and you have to create the poems so i love that so it was an easy for me it's a, an easy task for me so i wrote this very dark dark uh she cried even and I won. I won the competition, the poem competition. And then she's like, Svelana, I would like you to talk to you after this, after class, you know, because um, there's something going on with you, you know. And so um, I was like, yeah, there's something going on. And so I met with her after school and then I told her and she didn't do anything. Like she just heard me, didn't do anything. I don't know if she thought like, I'm just being typical of a teenager, not liking my, I was like, oh my God. So, because at that time, also a lot of kids would, make lies like oh my my parents are sexually abusing me please like get me out of it because they didn't want to they were so rebellious they wanted to go parties and um do drugs and drink and um i didn't want to hang out and i lost a lot of friends um who wanted to do those things they you know they shut me down um you know 
I lost a lot of friends. So then I told the school counselor, yeah, I told the school counselor that, um, you know, uh, so I don't know, you know, they wanted to talk to me and they're like, why are you acting this way? And I said, oh, do you want, really want to know? Like, do you want to know? And so I told her and she didn't do anything. So then I told my best friend, some other, how this happened. Um, well, I had a boyfriend a well, lot. First of all, I had, he was my friend for two years. Um, him and I would take ESL class together in, in, in high school and he was, and he always liked me, but it just kept it like, no, no, like declining, like not wanting to date. And if, if I, eventually I accepted like, okay, let's, let's date. And, um, so then he, um, yeah, so it was, we hung out together a lot and it was good. And then when Valentine's day, um, we, we went to the restaurant, he got me, you know, a soft toy, whatever. And um, then he drove me to this uh, very suspicious, uh, dark uh, valley. And um, and there were, um, and then two guys hopped in. So I was like, oh, that's it. There's something's going to happen. You know, three three strong guys and women. And I was very skinny. And a lot of people actually uh, mistaken me as like I was anorexic because I was really skinny. Uh, because I think I had stomach problems and I was stressed with like what's happening in the home. And so... Um, all right. Well, this guy, uh, my boyfriend actually raped me in the car they were holding me. The other two guys were holding me and he raped me screaming, please, please don't do that. You know, all this time I have tried to save myself. I was trapped. Um, I mean, all these times in my lifetime, you know, feeling so powerful, fighting for every moment, uh, you know, because it, you know, it happened in a baby orphanage and happened in the older and I come here. Oh my God. And so, um, how old were you at this point? Uh, I think um, turning 17, 16 years old. And he was actually an immigrant. And um, and he ran away. Where was he from? From Mexico. He's from Mexico. So he was a Hispanic guy who did this to me. He ran away? Yeah, back to his to Mexico. Because he was afraid that I was going to tell about him. And he fled to uh, Mexico. His name is Ricardo something. I forgot. There's, there's a picture in like um, in um, school yearbook. But I'm not sure if I even have it because my American mother um, threw everything away. When, once I left the house, she threw everything away. So, oh my God, I didn't even know about that. And we've had through, like hours and hours of conversations. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. It's uh, honestly, uh, right. I, I'm, at this point, I, at this point, anything you tell me will not surprise me, to be honest. I mean, you've been through a lot. Um, what? So you, he dropped you home? No, he didn't drop me home because I was afraid. Because I lied to my parents I'm going to... Um, to dance with my girl, like my friends, uh, girlfriends, and um, but I actually went on a date, and because um, if he, if I said that, and they're like, no, hell no, and um, so I, I, he dropped me off at my best friend's house, and I walked in, and my parents like it was bloody, and I'm like crying, and um, I tell them like what happened, and then um, then I told then I told the American, uh, I mean my best friend's mother, but also I'm getting sexually abused there. That's why I didn't come to to them first. And so she knew it. She didn't do anything about it. Then, um, yeah, me turning almost close to 17 years old. Um, I've had it with my American parents. I said, I'm moving out. I said, you know, like I was realizing I'm, you know, I'm not doing so good in school. I still wanted to do really good in school. And, um, and it, it, I'm just going down the hill and I did not want to, it was for me, it was very, very scary for me. It's not what's happening to me. Like what people did to me. What was so scary is I didn't want to go to that victim mode where I would always, you know, where I play like for me, please guys feel that for me. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to go to that uh, place where 
um, I'm not worth it. I'm not smart enough because I was told you're not smart. You, you know, uh, you're pathetic, and you know, you you're just an orphan, and now you're nothing now again. And um, I didn't want, and so that was the scariest part uh, for me. It's like, okay, so you have to somehow get yourself up, and you have to you have to lose, you know, you have to lose people. I wasn't afraid to lose them. That's it's just more of like you know whatever is going to happen if you move out of the house, be with your friend, you will find your job. Don't worry. So um, yeah, so in February I was moving out. I got in a big huge fight with my American father because he wanted me to do things to him, and I said no. And then he beat me up, and I said like, that's it. I'm leaving. And um, so then I called my American father and I said thank you so much for being my greatest mother in the world. Not and I just like I didn't curse at her, but I said. You, you, you really nothing. You have really not helped me at all. You only, I said, thank you only uh, for adopting me. That's it. Um, and then, then the phone rings at the house when I was packing and my, it was my auntie and my auntie, oh my God, Solana, aren't you excited to come to F Florida for a family reunion? I'm like, no, I'm not coming to, you know, family reunion. Why? And, and I said, because you guys were never my family and you never will be. And I'm not going to be part of this family. I'm moving out. She's like, whoa, 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 please stop, stop. Like, what is going on? You know, because they thought maybe I'm doing it for attention. Like, is something going on? I'm like, I'm not, and I said, I'm not a typical teenager. I'm someone else who, you know, dealt with, you know, uh, a lot, and I'm not dealing anymore. That said, I'm moving on. So then my auntie freaks out and calls my American mother and, she, and says, what's going on? So I know. And, and then, of course, my mother says, oh, she, you know, she's just being a typical teenager. Just, you have to understand her. Um, Yeah typical teenager um so then you know my aunties call me again a couple of days later and they begged me please Savannah, please give us a chance and i was already living with my friend and please please give us a chance uh please try to come back home let's have family reunion and, and during family reunion you can tell us please try try this one more time um you know and i was like fine so i go back home uh wait until the trip and when we were on the plane um, my american father you know it's like just try to tell everybody about the situation. You know, I will kill you. I will, you know, like this, you know, they, he's trying to threaten me. And um, it's like, no, you know, first of all, I'm a good actress. It's like, no, don't worry. No, I love you. Even though you do, you know, I'd said all the words I need, he needs to hear, even though maybe he thought it was a bullshit. Oh, excuse my language. Um, right. Sorry. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and I listen. And so um, all my American family out there, and, um, you know, we're doing things. We went to the baseball uh, game, uh, Red Sox with someone else. I don't, Yankees, maybe. Um, and, yeah. And um, and so my cousin, uh, who's an American, actually is also adopted. But she was adopted from, from America. And she said, you know, she was curious because she's the only adopted person in the family. And now she has a, you know, another cousin who's adopted. And she wanted to ask me a question. Like, aren't you happy that, like, how do you feel like about being adopted? And um said, huh. Nothing. Um, I mean, I said, I'm grateful that I got adopted and, um, you know, I don't need to, you know, um, I saved my life and I don't need to become a prostitute. I don't need to hustle in the street. So, and then she's like, but do you remember your family? You know, it's like, yes. And, and I told her and she's like, what? You remember all this? And so it was so interesting for her that she passed all this information to my aunties. And then my aunties questioned my parents saying, what? Guys, why haven't you told me, tell me about it? And the and father says, no, she's a filthy liar. Don't listen to her, blah, 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 blah. And so then uh, American father got so angry at me and um, and uh, angry at me and then angry at the, my aunties because, you know, they are being curious and, you know, getting in the middle 
of their life. Mm -hmm. And when you're so controlling, you don't want, no, you know, nobody talking about this child or anything like, like, uh, that he wants to act like I don't exist. So, uh, my, um, my American father was acting very rude, especially when we were living in my auntie's house. I mean, we could have actually been renting a booked a hotel room, but my auntie said, no, it's okay. Like live in, in my house. Like you don't have to spend so much money. I have a big house. So, uh, he was being disrespectful. I approached him in, in the room and I said, why are you being so disrespectful? Why, you know, you're living in this house, you have food and everything's for free. The only, you know, you only bought, bought a ticket to fly here. Why are you being so disrespectful? And what is wrong with them being so curious? And even though the, he did things to me, beat me up sexually, physically, mentally, I still like, uh, uh, I still um, spoke out for myself. I wasn't afraid like, like a, like a doll. No, I still like, when I have strength, I spoke up. And when I didn't, you could see and, um, and he, you know, uh, started to beat me, like take my head and bang it in, uh, on the wall and hit me and push me. And so then I stopped and then I started to attack him and I didn't, it was becoming a little bit loud and I started to cry and it's like, oh my God, I'm, I, either I'm going right away in, in Florida, run away from this family right now, or either I'm going to wait until I come to Arizona and I'm, I'm out, I'm not coming back to the house. So, um, my cousin ca caught me crying and she brought my aunties and, um, and my auntie's waited to talk to me after everybody's sleeping because the parents were in the house. But the parents, my parents were downstairs. I was upstairs. And um, then I broke, you know, I broke the chain. I told them, I told my auntie everything and she was shocked. And um, then we had detectives coming. And um, when the detective, like an officer came, like we need Marsha and Joni. And, uh, oh, I should have said it. But, um, and uh, he says, Solana, come on. You know, the father's like, Solana, come over here. I'm like, no, no, beep. I'm never going to listen to you again. Like, you know, go, you know, uh, F off. And, um, and then American mother is screaming like, what did you do? Why are you ruining their family? Um, so the cops came to their auntie's house while everyone was there uh -huh. mm -hmm. to question them or to detain them, detain them, to take them to questioning to a police officer. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and so, so did you, did your auntie, um, what was different about your auntie compared to the other people that you spoke to about this? Because they didn't do anything. The second, I have three aunties. Those three aunties are my mom's sisters. And those three aunties are most loving, caring, and most, uh, they will give you off the shoulder, you know, like, wait, what is this thing called? What the heck, did I forget that? They'll give you anything off your sh you know, off the shoulder, whatever. And, um, you know, but my mother was um, very tight with money. She never likes to share. She was very frugal with her money. She uh, made excuses, whatever. And um, she always bought some things for herself. When she goes on a vacation, she will buy jewelry and, stupid present i'm not asking you to buy me a present like something expensive but if you go and go out of state like well go to a different state and buy me a gift then give me a useful gift and that's probably why now i pay attention to um gifts not only do i just buy a gift i buy a gift that will be useful unlimited like not permanently and that will be useful that for that person um and so she bought me bought me this and I'm like, might as well not, not get anything. Um, I mean, I wasn't spoiled child. I wasn't, but, mm. um, my American, the, you know, sister that I was spoiled, but she didn't know that I, I begged him to, I love technology. Um, that means not like I was addicted. I, I just love, um, old like technology. How like at first I had a uh, game boy, the game, game boy, GameCube, then we, and I just love the, just, um, 
in the process, the timing of how the technology was just inv being invented. That's what I really love. Not so much I was addicted to playing on the phone or to watch TV, just even TV. I had old, um, you know, fat TV. I loved that. Even in, when my friends would come to my house, they're like, why don't you have like a flat TV? I'm like, no, I don't want that because it's old and um, <laughs> uh, it's still played. So um, where was I going through this? Oh my God. Oh, so. You were saying that, they, yeah, they were detained and yeah. I asked you why your, your auntie's different. Yes. And you told well, me she's a loving person. Questioning and I, uh, I said, so it was my turn to be questioned and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to waste my time. Okay, here you go. I was born in a third world country in Kazakhstan. I had hell in this country. And then, um, and I told them a couple of things, what has happened. I said, and I don't need, I, I don't have time for this either um, to win you guys. Um, you know, when you guys, um, you know, that uh, maybe I'm a, a typical teenager and, and I said, okay, let me draw a picture for you. What freaking thing it looks like and what he did. Um, and, um, and I, they, they were just flabbergasted. Like the jaws dropped and they didn't question anything else. They didn't question, they didn't, you know, um, beginning of course, what's your name? You know, this stupid process, this stupid thing. And, um, but it wasn't scary for me, but <laughs> But for them, for my family, it was scary. Like, oh my God, you know, it's one of traumatic things. But to me, it's not. Because um, that's the easiest. That was like, oh my God. Um, I saved my life again. And um, so, yeah, what happened? Um, uh, my American parents are flying. I had to. Okay, so after the questioning, my American parents uh, were able to take me with them to fly back to Arizona. And, um, you know, but my aunties hit me because. I told them that if um, if I'm going to go with them, you won't ever see me again. Meaning, like I'll be dead. He's going to kill me to kill me. Um, that's it because he has nothing to lose. He's going to prison and he's going to kill. Me. And so I was like, okay. so they believe me. They hit me. They left. Uh, back. To, they went back to Arizona, and um, then father commits suicide in the backyard. Shoots himself in the head, and um, then um, and then my so he was going to go to jail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was getting ready to go to the court and speak for my, you know, uh, what happened. But he killed himself before that. Um, wow. So, yeah. And um, and they tried to move this process very quickly because this whole questioning happened in Florida. This information needs to be transferred to Arizona, uh, being investigated, la, 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 la. So the process was being freaking like, slow. So whatever, he committed suicide. And then my auntie said, you know, you should go back to living with your mom and uh, your American mom. And maybe you will grow a different relationship without a controlling father. I'm like, no, nope, nothing's going to change. It's not because I always looked, you know, uh, wanted negative things or you just, I mean, all this time, I know how she is. She was, you know, never there for me. And um, so what happened? Um, she, um, oh yeah. So when I came back to Arizona, she, w she went dating. Um, she, like she went date. I'm not asking her, I wasn't asking her to be at home all the time and cook for me. And, but I was a teenager and I, I mean, uh, even though my life has been saved, of course, but, um, you know, um, I was still in a very dark place and I didn't, again, wanted to lose myself, uh, weaken myself. And so, and, um, you know, I would come home and it was boring and it's nothing to do. My friends are pushing me, let's go, you know, drink alcohol or drugs or whatever. I said, no, no. And um, then, you know, I begged my mom, like, you know, she's like, what do you want from me then? What do you want from me? Why can't you just leave me alone? I'm like, sign me in into, you know, sign me in um, sports, like school sport, uh, uh, after school program, like uh, playing sports. Um, if you want me to go on the right path, sign me in so I can be busy and play sports. No, can't do that because she was frugal with the money. 
we had to talk to her, uh, my auntie and, my, and me had to push it for a month to finally freaking agree to pay for the after school program. So I can, you know, I was like, oh my God, uh, it's, it's pathetic. So um, she paid for it. Uh, and that was my, that, that's, that was my heaven. And I got to play sports and get all that frustration through sports. And I built such a beautiful mm. team. I like basketball team, volleyball team, everybody was just amazing. And I started to change myself. Like um, people started not to bully anymore, look up to me. Um, Cause I understand like, what the, hell? like, why am I allowing someone bullying me when I won't see them ever again? And so like, you've gone through so much and ask yourself, like, would they handle the best you you would have uh, um, could? And then why are you allowing weaken yourself and in, in, uh, making them, you know, we, make it weaker for yourself? I was like, no. And so I changed the perspective of how uh, I'm going around my world. And so I got very, very popular in school. Um, uh, you know, uh, yes, I struggled academically. Um, you know, I, I, academically I struggled because it's not because of my IQ, I, because I was tested. My aunties wanted me to test, uh, be tested if my IQ is very low. But I told them, it's not my IQ. It's, a, you know, all this trauma that has happened. A human being needs time. So there are times when this something like trauma happens they are weak at something but you can rebuild that and so eventually they found out it's not because i'm stupid uh yeah because i got so angry because i was placed in a retarded or mm -hmm. yeah. you, you know um try me you know try to tell me in my face that um you know yeah that must be really frustrating um and um so eventually they said no she has no problem with that um it's just that she needs process to heal and um so of course i've got to counseling um you know uh and i and still i still have a counselor um uh, when i need her i will call her um but at the beginning i yeah I used to go to counseling my aunties are like the big supporters um and um yeah so my aunties are big supporters they're like my three mothers and um but my american mother would still like date older kid uh, older uh, guys and she dated a, a, a guy who was in 90 she was in her 60s still she's a 90 year old person 100 year old 100 year old person Holocaust. i mean i'm laughing because it's uh that's yeah it's a big age difference even at that age mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um that was really why was that why why do you think that was because like, that's that's a bit that's a bit interesting dating a 100 year old person um she wanted to date somebody that um um a person who won't have the strength to control her, but uh, but have a strength to take care of them. I mean, she does like um like she does like someone like to take care of, and so she loved that kind of attention. The way she gives them attention to, by taking care of, and then they say like you're amazing. And um, she right. she's just very sick in my in her mind. But um, I mean, um, I don't uh, just like you know, I don't I, I don't hate anybody. I'm I'm not hating on her. Um, I ha um, yeah, I mean like um, we always struggled with relationship. So then uh, I moved to Atlanta, wanted to have a new life. After I graduated high school, I moved to Atlanta and wanted to have my new life. And um, and my auntie is the one finally at 19 years old. I think I was 19 years old. She finally taught me what is, because I never understood what is unconditional love means and loyalty. And um, she's the one who taught me what is unconditional love and loyalty. Um, and, um, and it's so sad. I had to wait for 19 years to feel that because all this time I felt I was nothing and I didn't even understand what really love, like no existence in my head. Like I, I can guess, but mm -hmm. it's not, not worth it. I didn't even guess what it was because it just, you know, like a word doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You don't think about it. So, um, 
and she's the one who really taught me uh, what is um yeah. Um, then there's something still missing. I'm like, you know, um, I still wasn't feeling, I went to, you know, college and, uh, went to, you know, to school and, and I was like, okay, I need something. To, yeah. And then it came to be summer. And I said, you know what, I'm going on a trip. I went on a birthright trip and in Israel for three months. And that was most incredible trip I ever taken for myself. Um, and that's when I really understood what really happens is and understood what life is mean too. Cause I met so many. Where did you go? Where did you go? When I was 22 years old, I think. I was 22 years old. Huh. Uh-huh. Where did you go? Uh, 22. Like in when I was 22 years old in, in, in the summertime. And, and, uh, Sorry, but, but where? I, mean, I said, uh, I meant where? Uh, in Israel, like uh, Tel Aviv, all these areas. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was uh, amazing. I got to meet really incredible people. I went on a volunteer work, um, met people from all over the country. Um, yeah. And that's when I started to really look at life in a brighter way and not, and understand like, stop with excuses. Really. It's just, you know, craving for attention, get it over yourself. Um, things will just happen naturally for you where you, um, you know, uh, good things will happen to you once you start looking at bright side. So yeah, that's what I did. But then something, again, it's missing. Uh, I'm, I'm that type of person. I'm very curious. I want to know why, why did I, how this happened? How did it come from Kazakhstan now and in Israel and like where I'm from? And so I, you know, before I wanted to find my biological family, I went counseling. And, um, and then at uh, 24, uh, 25 years old, I found my biological family. Um, and then... How did you do that? That's quite a, an, an accomplishment. Yeah. So I hired an investigator. And keep in mind, I, I've done a lot of searches for biological family. For some reason, I couldn't find my biological family. So um, I hired an investigator and he found my family quickly. And, um, how long did you want to do that for? Like, have you always, always wanted to do that since you knew that you were an orphan or? Well, yes. Um, yeah. Um, I didn't tell you like, um, uh, yeah, I mean, once I started to read, uh, able, once I was able to read, um, you know, and one time when we were getting shots, like when we came to the orphanage and we had to take some shots and, um, they give you documents to hold. And so in the document, it said like your, your parents' names and, um, yeah, so I read in your birthday, and that's when I found out, like, oh, I have a birthday. I was born in this time um, because um, I only found out when I was seven years old. And so at seven years old, as an orphan, we were able to go to different places, circuses, museums, uh, opera, opera, no, uh, opera, and, um, like, to the parks, at roller, uh, roller coaster parks, and zoo. And um, so every time we were in the pop, pop, public place, I would approach to families, whoever I see, mom and dad, and ask, are you Irina blah, 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 blah? Are you uh, uh, a Slav blah, 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 blah? Would say my parents' name and ask everybody. And um, yeah, from even the beginning when I started to, I was very curious um, and couldn't find it. I, I couldn't find it. And I always wanted to find him. And then, um, but I wanted to heal myself before I find my Russian family because um, I didn't want to be angry at them. I didn't, I wanted to accept. And if they, if I find them and they, you know, disown me, then I would be okay with it. I was working with my counselor about this. And so I found my, um, yeah, Russian family and my investigator, investigator came to my mom's house. I, um, cause my parents used to live in Kazakhstan, but they migrated to Russia because there was a lot of killing going on in Kazakhstan. Kazakh people were killing a lot of Russians. Uh, my mom can tell you, like my Russian mom can tell you because she remembers all this too. So, um, yeah, they went to Russia because they didn't want their kids to be dead because my mom and my dad has four children uh, without me. And, um, so. Um, investigator approaches to my mom, she came to my house, to my mom's house, 
it was the grandmother and my niece and my mom were in, in, at home that time. And yeah, at that time, and the investigator says, oh, are you getting a blah, blah, blah? And, and he asked, like, did you used to have a daughter? She's like, yeah. So, oh, no. Uh, what about, and, um, but, and she said, well, she's dead. And he's like, no, she's the one who actually sent me to you. To wow. And she dropped on the floor, started to cry, um, couldn't believe it, and saw pictures of me, read a letter that I wrote to her, and then right, right away I said, dear mom and dad, because it's still on my parents, despite of, like, you know, I didn't see the thing is, like, maybe people will say, oh, you know, um, you wanted to search for your parents. You need to see if you could have had a better life. No. Um, even from the childhood life, I was curious. I was always searching for my biological family. So mm. um, then my mom, you know, hears about me and all my siblings heard about my dad. And then my dad, um, he said, I think they did experiments on her. You know, they're trying to figure out what happened to me. And then after uh, Skyping with them for like a month, uh, because I found them in September and he dies in October. Oh, my God. Really? Again? And he gets killed. My Russian father gets killed. Um, by gets killed. He doesn't just die like from natural causes. He gets killed. Yeah, yeah. He was fishing, and there were three guys. Yeah, three guys who were beating him up. Um, yeah, they were like drunk, uh, or like they they were on drugs or something, and they they were fooling around and they wanted to torture. Um, yeah, because they were what the hell is going on? This is so... he died right after that. Yeah. So, did they get? Um, like found guilty or yeah but, but, uh, they are in prison for one year or maybe they're already out i mean not mean like i mean they said like oh one year but i think they got out even earlier than a year i mean really there was no strict punishment for them none here in russia mm -mm. so i was really really mad um and um but i still have to keep my you know i still had to keep my life going um you know living i visit my Russian family um, it was incredible. My auntie from Germany uh, and my cousin came um, to to Russia to see me, and it was awesome, an incredible feeling ever. But I had one sibling, which is my sister, who's very jealous. Because um, keep in mind, why is she jealous? Because she's the only girl in the family for how many years? Thirty something years, and now this in American, like um, I don't know how would you review me, you know, view me as, and. Um, yeah, I came to the family. And now not only she is a girl, I'm a girl. And um right. the youngest one. And um Right. So I see. Until this day she's jealous of me. She causes so much problem. Um so I'm not in communication with her because it's not worth to build a relationship when she's just very cruel too. She's disrespectful, uh she can be violent to my mom, um, and to me. So I'm just like, bye bye. Don't mm -hmm. I don't care if you're related to me or not. So from this experience of understanding like adopted family and not adopted and biological family, I don't care who you are. If you're adopted or, or biological or whoever you are, um, the most thing counts is it's not who, um, it's not the biological or adopted. It's what counts is your family could be your neighbors. Your family could be your best friend. Your, your family could be even a child. And um, mm -hmm. so it really doesn't matter. That's one thing I've learned in that. And then... Um, so during the time me visiting back and forth with my Russian family, I always, uh, my sister would always attack me by fighting with me, arguing with me, be stupid. I don't deal with that. Uh, well, my, uh, my American mom found a guy, uh, older guy in his eighties and, um, and I never really felt comfortable with him. And then she, 
breaks the news, says, oh my God, Anna, um, I got, I want to, um, we are getting married and, um, would you like to be in my wedding? Um, it's like, yeah, sure. But this man who, uh, was getting married to my mom, he gives me a letter and that letter says, so Anna, don't be angry at me. Um, I'm not that kind of person anymore. Like you, uh, like you said, I have sexual abuse in the letter says I have sexual abuse children. Um, and I am listed as a sexual predator. Um, and, and keep in mind, he was in prison like uh, the day when this news, uh, when he get, broke the news, he was already in prison like for a year, um, in jail for like a, like a year ago. And um, and then I said, are you joking? Like to my American mother, are you really joking? So you found the same guy, what we, uh, from a guy, we uh, a man we ran away from, and you are getting the same one? And I was like, wow, you're out. Um, I said, either you getting rid of him, no wedding, or you lose me. See, back to What is that? Is that like a cycle of behavioral like pattern yeah. that she's kind of going to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like it's like for others, if you, you're being sexual abused, you will always be sexual abused by, um, you know, you'll be sexually abusing others. Like actually I asked my adoptive father, were you abused? Um, like were you abused? Were you hit? Were you sexually abused? And she, he said, yes. And so he passed it on to me. I was like, well, it's not, it's going to stop right there. Um, mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, yeah. so, um, yeah, so I caught courts with my American mother and, um, I'm not, I don't hate her. I really feel bad that she is sick in her mind. Um, you know, it doesn't sometimes, uh, hurts me or like, um, that we're not in the communication when, you know, things are happening, you know, like she's having her birthday very soon. She did have stroke. I did reach out like not through her or not, um, uh, I reached out through like my aunties making sure that they pass on the information that, you know, that I still care, but I don't have any communication with her. No reason to give respect um, for, first of all, I saved your life and then I saved my life. And then all the things I went through and this is respect you gave me. No, because as a child, I do remember saying, once I grew up, one thing I would make sure is to respect myself, you know, um, make sure I will control myself and give myself a better life than all the people uh, who taught me opposite. So, um, mm. And um, now, you know, I've, uh, I decided to, you know, um, live in Russia and I'm really, really loving it. I'm working here, apartment. Mm -hmm. I just um, yeah, get to visit my family, get to help, do my thing. And then now I'm working on my new project is by helping, uh, you know, worldwide orphans, um, uh, you know, hopefully in the future, get them adopted. And um, I want to work. How does that work? Tell me about what you're doing. Like what? How do you help the orphans? So first project will be um, like we want to do. I'm working with my retired orphanage uh, orphanage director. Her and I will be working together. We want to go back to our country and help the orphanage by renovating, um, making it better. I um, mean, like um, give them better energy, like solar system, fix the water to like water system. So because uh, government provides, you know, certain amount, but not enough at all. And so the director has to somehow pull the uh, pull the money out of wherever is available, and that's why, like I said, like in when we when I was in orphanage, we didn't sometimes um, had we didn't have food. It's because we didn't have enough money even to pay for electricity or for water or whatever. And um, so what happened? Um, yeah, so I want to you know with my director uh, director of the orphanage, um, her and I will be. Uh, working with multiple of orphanages, fixing them. That's our major thing. And then creating education, better curriculum. Then um, then um, after school, pro like 
programs that keep, keep the children busy um have another program where uh, kids learn uh, new skills like real world skills um like especially for graduate orphans who are about to graduate they will be learning uh teach them how to apply for jobs uh you know give them opportunities already you know make sure they you know able to drive a car able to work with programming or just that so they can uh be successful and have provided money to send you know let them have you know living in apartments you know like um it's like almost like a hostel like where you can um live with groups of guys and you just pay certain you know uh, girls a certain amount of allowance but you have to take care of the uh facility um and then because kazakhstan and russia have been adoption and i don't think it's the right solution so hopefully why did they ban adoption because they were um which is true um some americans have adopted russian uh, kids and they killed them and molested them and uh, did experiments on them something in california i have to find out i'm not going to send it to you if you like um so wow. they um they uh banned adoption after this situation but um there's so much going on in this country and all the country that banned this is like nothing compared to what they have what they do even so it makes me really really upset that um that is the solution they think you know that will help them no that just makes it worse because economy you know um yeah and now there's nowhere for them to go mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah so my project is making sh um renovating orphanages and soon changing a lot about uh getting the kids adopted internationally to get that send them um send them to other countries not the country they live in do you want help with this yeah, or are I you do. i do i need as much help as possible because it is what i'm dealing with it's i it's i'm grabbing not just this amount it's a huge it's not it's not even measurement like it has nothing to do with measurement it's just that you're working with the system that is so screwed up and um i am the young person you know very um giving person but um you know i have talked to a couple of important people and hopefully they will continuously communicate with me but um i would need as much as help as possible i mean i already have all like organized what what types of help i need um and how all all this helps help it, it will play like what what will play first and what you know um so yes i mean i can give you definitely contact information um for you what would that be would that be my um, email an email address my phone number for whatsapp what's the email it, it, should we say that now yeah that's my, that's, good. that's my email is svetifamily5 at gmail.com so i'll spell it um it's s-v-e-t-i and then family uh and all this in lowercase after family uh five number five and at gmail.com. Yeah, I think if you if you can get uh, some support with that, it will make it a lot easier for you to do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great idea to help those. And I'm actually thinking about doing it now as well, to a certain degree. I think a lot of the, the world's problems are solved by helping those who are you know underprivileged and going through developmental crises. If we can help these people. Little children, you know. Uh, our children are the future uh, and it's, yeah. it's so sad because they are not um they can't control anything it's, it's so pathetic they're taking innocent children and what is happening to them is a uh, most uh devastating thing for me and that is why you know if 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 i can say, do one simple thing that's all i need um i know i can't save it's unrealistic i can't save all the children but if i can just save one and that person just that child just follows and helps the next oh my god be my guest please do it but yeah, it's just, it's really, really sad. The story that you've uh, shared with me is just absolutely incredible. Honestly, it's, it's something that I don't think most people have ever heard in their lives. 
So I really genuinely appreciate having met you and being able to learn about this and being given like the privilege to be able to write about it and create content about it. Cause I, I want, I want to, you know, help people understand what's really happening in the world. Like I, like I said before, it's kind of like, there's like a bubble, isn't there? Um, and you know, rich people, wealthy people, people who are in developed nations, they don't see this and we need to know how bad it is so that we can help, you know? So thank you for coming on and talking about it with me. I really appreciate it. You know, you've been such an amazing guest and I, just hope you get all the help that you need. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Hopefully it will come true, all this. So that's my dream right now. And I'm going to keep on holding that dream. Um, and, you know, I'm already in that process. So that's uh, really, really great. And thank you so much for giving me time to speak um, uh, and inviting me to um, talk to you. I'm very, very grateful for that. So I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and hopefully people will understand and um, not feel sorry, but show some actions. I don't want me mm -hmm. any, sorry. I just, I, right. all I'm asking, please help in this generation.